Well, whether you're a part of our church family or you're joining us maybe for the very first time, we're glad that you're here with us. This is going to be a different worship service than probably we've ever done before, but we hope and we pray that you'll stick with us and that you'll allow the Lord to move in your heart and in all of our hearts and minds as we continue together. But just a couple of things. First of all, at the end of the service, we're going to be celebrating communion together. So if you haven't done so already, why don't you push pause now, go get some bread and some juice or some wine, and celebrate communion with us as we remember the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And another thing you may have heard, we're encouraging people to gather together and watch the sermon together in watch parties, in smaller groups, to invite people to your home or to maybe get together at another home. And so if you're not already doing that, we hope that you'll think about doing that in the weeks to come. For thousands of years, the family of God has worshipped the Lord together on Sundays. And in that sense, this Sunday is no different. Our God is worthy of our praise and adoration. Christ the Word is always worthy of our attention and our obedience. His Spirit lives and moves within us, prays with utterances and groanings too deep for words, and is able to comfort, to encourage, to convict, and to grieve and save and mourn. In another sense, however, this Sunday is different for us because we're going to worship the Lord at a time of unbelievable sadness for people, for communities and cities, and for our nation. As we worship today, we know of a six-year-old named Gianna who lost her father, George Floyd. As we worship today, we know of a man in Georgia named Marcus who lost his son, Ahmad Arbery. As we worship today, we do so while Tamika lives without her daughter, Brianna Taylor. Dozens of our cities and communities have been torn apart. Grocery stores have been destroyed. Businesses have been burned down. Neighborhoods have been ruined. Lives have been threatened and lives have been lost. And the already difficult and honorable Jobs that are held by law enforcement officials have become exponentially more difficult for them and for their families who pray for them and love them and worry about them. And all of this is taking place against the backdrop of a pandemic that our nation and our world is just beginning to recover from. But we will worship today. And we will worship through grief. We will worship today and we will worship through sorrow and mourning. We will worship today. And we will cry out together as the family of God, asking God to help us. It's a low, low point for our nation, a time of great sorrow and anger, and sadness. A time of confusion, but none of which keeps us from drawing near to God, hearing from His Word, and being moved by the Holy Spirit who convicts, comforts, reminds, teaches, sanctifies, and saves to the uttermost. We will worship today.
As we prepare to worship the Lord in song, let's take a moment in silent prayer to prepare our hearts to worship in grief, to worship in sorrow and mourning, to worship in spirit and truth as we ask for healing, for help, and for hope.
For over a week now, there's been death, suffering, destruction, violence, threats, intimidation, and fear all over our nation on a level that we've not tasted for some time. But for many of our brothers and sisters of color, this has been the case in various ways for as long as they can remember or more. And so as we mourn the condition of our nation and the condition of our own hearts, I want us to pray a responsive prayer from Psalm chapter 13. I want us to focus on the Word of God by praying it to God together. I'll read a portion of the chapter, and then I want us to respond together. Lord, hear our cry. And then we'll just pause for a few seconds of silent prayer. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Lord, hear our cry. How long will you hide your face from me? Lord, hear our cry. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? Lord, hear our cry. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Lord, hear our cry. Look on me. And answer, Lord my God, give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. Lord, hear our cry. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. Lord, hear our cry. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Lord, hear our cry. I will sing the Lord's praise. For he has been good to me. Lord, hear our cry. God's word says in James chapter 1, verses 19 and following, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And these are easy words to read and hear, but very hard to practice. I want to ask you to consider closing your eyes and just hear the word of God once again, asking God to call to your mind which of these words he wants you to hear clearest today. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, 
slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. In this next response of prayer, we'll respond together, O God, have mercy on us. And then pause to silently reflect on his word and his spirit working together in our hearts and minds. You have commanded us, Lord, to be slow to speak, but so often we speak quickly. O O God, God, have have mercy mercy on us. us. You have commanded us to be quick to listen, but so often we are unwilling. O O God, God, have have mercy mercy on us. us. You have told us, Lord, that anger will not produce your righteousness, but we do not believe you as we use it anyway. O O God, have have mercy mercy on us. Through the prophets of old, you have told us, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. O O God, God, have have mercy mercy on us. You show no partiality or preference, but we are not like you. O O God, have have mercy mercy on us. You have created all people in your image, but we show favoritism and preference. O O God, have have mercy mercy on on us. us. You're bigger than everything that I 
could ever do. I've been a robber. I steal your throne. I sought the glory that's yours alone. You draw me closer. So I can see I've been forgiven. I've been made clean. My strength comes from the one who made the world. You're bigger than all my problems. You're bigger than all my problems. The blood that you bled for me so I could sing. You're bigger than all my problems. You're bigger than all my problems. Bigger than my sin. Oh Lord, you're able. Bigger than whatever I'm in. And you're always faithful. Bigger than my pride. I know you won't leave me. Bigger than all I hide. Help me, Lord, to see that you're bigger than my sin. Oh, Lord, you're able. You're bigger than whatever I'm in. And you're always faithful. Bigger than my pride. I know you won't leave me. Bigger than all I hide. Help me, Lord, to see that my strength comes from the As a mostly white church family, I think it's important to remember that the fear and anger and pain that's being felt in the black community right now is not prompted by one incident alone, but is coming out of a legacy of slavery and Jim Crow laws and too many times where power and force have been used against them in ways that our Bible clearly and unequivocally calls evil and unjust. And I don't pretend to have all the answers, but one thing I do know that I'm trying to practice more and more. As a white pastor, most of my adult life has been spent serving others best by speaking and talking. But in this conversation about race and racism... I realize that I benefit most and serve others best by listening more than speaking. Because when I try to talk about race or racism, there's just so many ways that I can get it wrong. Because I have never been 
on the brutal or receiving end of racism ever. So I do not know what that feels like. And so one of the ways that I try to listen more than talk is by reading black authors who help me to just for a little moment, just a little bit, try to understand what it's like to be a black man or woman in America. I've read many authors and benefited from many books, but probably the most impactful was this past year when I read a best-selling and Pulitzer Prize-winning book by Isabel Wilkerson titled The Warmth of Other Sons, S-U-N-S. And in that book, she chronicles and tracks with and describes the life of three African-Americans from the early 1900s until 1970 here in America. And I know that I'll never fully understand it because I have not lived through it. But that book helped me. It helped me just for a moment. I wept as I read it. It helped me to shed some of my white blindness and to recognize in ways that I'd not recognized before some of the ongoing prejudices and indignities that our black brothers and sisters have continued to experience here in America. I make a note in the front cover of books when I read them just to rate them and remember. And I wrote in the front of that book, life-changing. Not because I know that I'm free of racism, but it changed me and the way I see others of color and the way I hear what they're saying and my willingness to listen more. To think that racism ended when slavery was abolished. Sometimes you'll hear a comment like that. To think that racism ended when slavery was abolished is a horrible and unhelpful lie that will never promote peace or build unity in our nation. I think until we stop being defensive and are more willing to recognize and own up to the fact, the sad fact, that the evil of racism is still alive and well in many forms throughout our land, There will be little or no hope for genuine understanding and reconciliation with our black brothers and sisters. And so I think a big step towards being an ally against racism. I want to be an ally against racism. I want our church family to be an ally against racism. Is to talk less and listen more to the experience of others. And trust them that what they're saying is real, what they're saying is current, and what they're saying is very painful. In Psalm 139, David asks the Lord to search his heart, to try him, to know his anxious thoughts, and to see if there are any wicked ways in him and lead him in the way everlasting. And today we'll do similarly keeping in mind we know not our hearts, but God does. And he can reveal to us areas in which we need to repent, to change, and to grow. Let us pray. Lord, 
Whom have I feared or disliked that I need to listen to? For your glory, for our good, call them to our minds. Lord, whom have I dismissed that I need to take interest in for your glory, for our good? Call them to our minds. Lord Jesus, for whom have I harbored favoritism and for whom have I harbored disdain? Lord, Please forgive me. Oh, Lord Jesus, are there people that I think of as not my people that you want me to befriend? Lord, please give me courage. Lord Jesus, are there people I think of as not your people? Lord, grant me repentance. Lord Jesus, you say, blessed are the peacemakers. Is there someone that I have hurt with this issue of racism? Show me, Lord, and help me to seek out their forgiveness. There is no way 
God to change our hearts and our minds to be aligned with his. We pray for him to bring healing to our nation and communities. We grieve and mourn the fact that after so many years as a nation, race relations have fallen to such a low. All of this grief and mourning is appropriate. We would ignore it to our shame and peril. Christians, however, never grieve without hope. We never mourn without joy. And while we pray and work for better days to come, we don't withhold our worship until things change. That's right. Because everything Jesus has done for us is always a reason to rejoice. Or oh, to take this conversation about racism... And turn it towards the gospel is not an awkward attempt to brush aside something that makes us uncomfortable and instead focus on something that we find familiar and sweet. Oh, no, 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 no. To turn towards the gospel in a conversation about racism is a call to remember the hope that we have as believers. That is not like the hope of unbelievers. Because our hope is rooted in something outside of this broken world. It's rooted in the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who burst into this dark world. Took on flesh. And died for all of us. We have hope. 
Because Jesus lived and died for sinners like you and me, black and white. And he rose again and ascended back into heaven and is coming again to bring eternal justice and to usher in the only perfect kingdom this world will have ever seen because it will be ruled by the only perfect and completely unprejudiced ruler it will have ever had king jesus oh what a day that will be and so that's why even in the face of such raw and unsettling days that we've been living through we can still say, along with the prophet Habakkuk in chapter 3, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the, yield, the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation, regardless of how dark it is. We can take joy in the God of our salvation even today, especially today. count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God that's never late is working all things out you're working all things out oh yes I will Lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy all my days. Yes, I will. Never fails, will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley.
Communion is a time for believers to remember. But what is it that we're remembering? We're remembering that in spite of all the things that divide culture and divide individuals, for believers, there is something that should unite us, that should bring us together as we remember. And that specifically is the body and blood of Jesus that was given to us. And it's significant in this day because it was through his punishment, through the unjust punishment against him, it brought us peace. The scripture tells us on the night that Christ was betrayed, he took bread and broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus also took a cup and he gave it to his disciples and he said, take drink. This is my blood, a new covenant, a new agreement where all would be brought together as one. As believers, we are united in Christ and his blood brings us peace. Let's do this in remembrance of him. Scripture tells us on that very night, the first night, that after partaking of the Lord's table, they sang a hymn and they went out. Let's do that together right now. Spoke your name into 
Let's pray. Oh God, we are your people who are called by you. We need not be troubled or alarmed. Indeed, O Lord, let us love now more fearlessly, remembering that you created us and appointed us to live in these very places in the midst of these unsettling times. It is no surprise to you that we're here now, sharing in this turmoil along with the rest of our society, for you have called your children to live as salt and light Among the nations, praying and laboring for the flourishing of the communities where we dwell, acting as agents of your forgiveness, salvation, healing, reconciliation and hope in the very midst of an often troubled world. And in these holy vocations, you have not left us helpless, O Lord. Because you have not left us at all. Your spirit remains among us. Move in and through our church family. O spirit of the risen Christ. Unite and equip your people for the work before us. Father, empower us as your children to live as your children. In times of distress, let us respond not as those who would instinctively entrench for our own self-preservation, but let us be those who, in imitation of our Lord Jesus, would move in humble obedience toward the needs and hurts of our neighbors, our neighborhoods, our communities. You were not ashamed to share in our sufferings, Jesus. Let us now be willing to share in yours, serving as your visible witnesses in this broken world. Hear now these words, you children of God, and be greatly encouraged. The Lord's throne in heaven is yet occupied. His rule is eternal, and his good purposes on earth will be forever accomplished. So we need never be swayed By the brief and passing panics of this age, Mm. you are the king of the ages, O Christ. And history is held in your father's hands. We, your people, know the good and glorious end of this story. Mm. Our heavenly hope is secure. In this time of widespread suffering, then, let us rest afresh in the surpassing peace of that vision, that your whole church on earth might be liberated to love more generously yes. and sacrificially. Yes. Now labor in and through us, O Lord, extending and multiplying the many expressions of your mercy. Amen.